Hey guys, welcome back to the Jay Sit Down Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Jay, and I'm here today with Bo, Bo Brack. He covers the uh, Arizona Cardinals there out in uh, Phoenix. Also host of the uh, also host of the Phoenix uh, Cardinals podcast. Bo, thank you for coming on today to talk about um, those birds out there, out west. Yeah, certainly uh, not short on things to talk about during a rebuilding offseason. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, so you said rebuilding. So before we get to that part of it, let's see how we got there uh, for the sure. Arizona Cardinals. Sadly, for you, for you and, and um, Bird Nation there. But uh, so can you just recap twenty twenty two for the uh, for us? You know, for out there for the Cardinals, how it went, and you know, just all the things that that made the season. You know, uh, hit the, hit the hit the toilet. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, exactly. How much time, how long is this podcast? Because uh, it was a long 2021 <laughs> season. It was. I mean, it was interesting because, you, you know, months before that, this team was 11-6. and six. At one point, you know, they were 7-0, and 10-2, leading the NFC West. And then things collapsed like they did at the end of every season under Cliff Kingsbury. And, you know, finally, the this team wasn't able to get out of the gates hot. They weren't able to capitalize on a, on a fast start. And things just deteriorated from the very jump of training camp. Players couldn't get on the field for whatever reason. You had the six-game suspension for DeAndre Hopkins. You had Hollywood Brown, who, you know, was caught speeding on his way to training camp. And, you know, he wasn't disciplined by the league, but it was just kind of a a black eye to the organization. Uh, There just seemed to be, at every turn, you know, a, a challenge and adversity for this team. And I don't think that they were necessarily set up to face that adversity and succeed through it. Uh, You know, they certainly succeeded the previous season, but I think a lot of bad habits festered from people in the front office, not setting this team up to have a whole lot of depth, very top heavy. I mean, they had their stars, no doubt about it. They have Tyler Murray at the quarterback position, J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins. But, you know, if if those guys weren't available for some reason and, and none of them, you know, outside of JJ weren't available for the 2022 season, you know, it's, uh, you had to look to some guys who were barely even, you know, uh, starting capable players. So they lacked depth. They lacked a coaching staff with the ability to lead and to make the adjustments and the Arizona Cardinals, you know, they, they kind of were treading water for, for a little bit. And it looked like, you know, after week seven against the saints, they had a big win on Thursday night football could get back on track. And it just fell apart from there. Uh, and, and I think that was due in part to, obviously, Cliff Kingsbury being overmatched at the head coach position, a poorly constructed roster, and their stars just not producing like stars, and eventually Kyler Murray uh, bowing out to the ACL injury in December. So it was just like anything that could go wrong did go wrong for the Arizona Cardinals, and they decided to hit the full reset button after it was all said and done. Said okay, we we got to Despite the extensions that our general manager signed in the off season of 2022 and our head coach, uh, they decided hey, th- we we realized that there's no path forward uh, with these guys. So so they pretty much gave a whole facelift to this organization, and the only person remaining feels like Skylar Murray. Sure, there's a couple people that came with him, but like who they're going to move forward with potentially feels like K one's the only guy, but. It was a product of, of how brutal that season was to go 11 and 6, 4 and 13. Uh, they were competitive, but, you know, it, it was just like, it felt like this team was constructed by popsicle sticks and, and chewing gum. Like it was being held together 
there was no solid foundation. And now I think they're in better hands to potentially find that and, and really lay a solid foundation in the very, you know, beginning of a rebuild. Yeah, yeah, I saw a point you made there. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was uh, relieved of his duties as head coach. Um, could you kind of give us some insight as to why the, um, you know, well, we had kind of have a general idea of why they fired him, obviously, yeah. but as far as, you know, more in detail and, um, you know, in, internal-wise, why they felt that he um, needed to be relieved as head coach. Yeah, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, his first three seasons as Arizona Cardinals head coach, he he was better than the previous season. You know, there was progress. You could see it. You know, he took a three-win team, turned it into a five-win team. Took the five-win team, turned it into an eight-win team. Took the eight-win team, turned it into an 11-win playoff team. Uh, but you saw that at some point, you know, I would say late in the 2021 season, the league adjusted. They caught up to Cliff Kingsbury. The things that he was doing that he was finding success in, the league diagnosed how they were going to, you know, at least offensively, uh, go attack Cliff Kingsbury, and he never played that game of chess. He never made those adjustments that he that he needed necessary to to succeed. And I think that there was a ceiling to Cliff Kingsbury. I think obviously a failed college coach. There was a, there was a bit of where he was overmatched. Uh, maybe had no reason to, or or shouldn't be a head coach of an NFL team. And when he's thirty five and forty in the Big Twelve with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. Uh, you know that that's kind of that's kind of wild that he didn't have much success there. I know that he obviously was handicapped with his defense at Texas Tech, but uh, it, it showed. You know, I think he's he's a smart NFL play caller, uh, but as far as like a leader of men, you saw. I mean, it was on display during the in-season hard knocks that you know Vance Joseph, the DC, seemed to be like the guy that was giving you the answers for why things weren't going right or were, were, what was going right. It was Cliff. It was there wasn't much substance to it and you know despite progressing each and every year that progress stopped and was stunted and i don't think that there was any real clear way that he could kind of recapture that uh it was just caught lightning in a bottle and then you know we kind of got a glimpse of of who he really is and, and the, the league humbles people and i think that's why it's tough to find in the nfl sustained success because the league is always making adjustments and if you don't you know make the proper adjustments back and cliff wasn't able to do that you know they can make a guy who looked like he had a bright future as a head coach and immediately chew him up and spit him out and i think that that's what happened and, and you know for him that is he the right guy going forward i think there was enough to say even in a season's time you know to to debunk the previous three seasons uh that that cliff just wasn't the guy out of this uh you know maybe does he get an opportunity down the line from more of a veteran-laden team that doesn't need to be had their have their hand held? Maybe, but it would have to be the right situation. As far as where the organization has fallen and how far it fell from grace, I don't think there was any way that Cliff was going to potentially be able to pull it up and get him out of the cellar of the NFC West and and beyond. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, and being a coach in in the NFL, obviously you're dealing with grown men, um, but also you they, yeah. they, you have they have to be able to trust you, um, and really that's on any level of of football or any professional or any sport in um, in general, uh, you have to there has to be that mutual um, connection and trust between the coach and the players and be and yeah. them being able to, hey you know hey we know these guys gonna put us in the best position to win he's going to lead us like you said be a leader of men not just on the field but off the field you know I just don't think. Cliff Kingsbury brought that to Arizona. Um, 
So now he's <laughs> not there anymore. But um, now moving on, uh, they hired Jonathan Gannon away from Philadelphia, mm-hmm. of course, um, being the defense coordinator there. Uh, now he's the head coach. Um, although uh, been hearing some some wanky things uh, as far as uh, going around about Gannon. So what can you tell us from from your uh, your, your insider um, information there? You know, I think a lot like Kyler Murray, from a national perspective, Jonathan Gannon is a bit misunderstood, and there's a there's a lot of misconceptions as far as JG goes. Uh, you know, you see the video of him meeting his players for the initial time, talking to Rondell Moore. He's doing the wacky, like, uh, zoom, 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 you know, uh, explosives and, and all that stuff. And people, it's easy to poke fun of, but he, he every day he brings enthusiasm to his position. And it's more than just enthusiasm. It, it's, it's, a, it's a want to be successful as a head coach. And it's not, and it, it's deeper than that. Like, you know, after covering Cliff Kingsbury, you know, you ask him questions in the press conference, it's like, why did you do that? And you wouldn't even get necessarily a straight answer where I feel like with Jonathan Gannon, you, not only do you get a straight answer, he will tell you how he got to that answer and, and what what they're doing. Like they have they have a, a, a their why, like they know how to get to that and, and how they approach it. And I think that they are uh, a well thought out uh, critical thinking coaching staff um, that are under the radar, very young, right? I mean, Gannon's just 40. His offensive play caller is 35, and Drew Petzing's defensive coordinator is 29. But I think these guys were all up and comers. These are all guys that are uh, that that are are um, that they are really going to. They know what they're doing. They they know what the assignment is each and every day, and they're able to explain things to their players or press members like myself. Uh, of, of why and what they're doing. And I think that that's important. You know, not only are the coaches, they're teachers. And with a young team, I think that that's, that's, that's very key. Um, so, you know, I, I've really enjoyed so far the, 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 the sample size that we've got from Gannon. I think things are going to, I mean, he told us this much earlier this week at the end of minicamp is like, you know, he's confident that they did a lot in the little time since he got hired in February after the Super Bowl. And they're confident where they are now, but now they're going to ratchet some things up a notch. And come training camp, I think he's going to go from like, hey, I'm the new guy in the honeymoon phase, and, and we're all in this together, and we're excited, and we don't like the word rebuild. We're here to win games. But then he realizes the, the pressure and how serious it becomes and how tough that is to where he's going to become kind of an ass kicker. And uh, you can kind of start to see that change a little bit. I just you know, you hear obviously from some Philly fans that didn't like Gannon and how things ended there and the tampering and all of that. You know, it's like Monty Osport made a call to a guy to see if he wanted to, to coach his football team if he was interested or they were going to move forward. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really as simple as that. For people to say, like, what JG did impacted how he coached in the Super Bowl and impacted lives, it's just that's a little hyperbole. That's a little dramatic for my taste. I think that he's He's a guy that was going to be a head coach. He was a rising star. He was a guy that general manager Monty Osport identified the previous offseason and always wanted to talk to him and finally got the interview. And now I think that these two guys are kind of lockstep together. And I, I really like the vision so far. I mean, we still haven't seen him on the sidelines. We right. haven't seen him within the flow of the game. We don't know what JG's like there. 
but so far so good in my opinion and i think i think the arizona cardinals you know making one of the last tires of the hiring cycle uh did land somebody uh with solid potential yeah yeah um so you, you spoke about uh the backlash that he received of course after the super bowl and the defenses collapsed um mm-hmm. now let me ask you this with, with gannon coming over there you know after that um does that concern you a little bit at all yeah absolutely I think that especially uh, like what I said about Cliff, I mean, you see who Cliff is, like you're not gonna know, like we're gonna think what, you know, this is kind of an experimental phase, not experimental, you know, I think that might be a little too harsh, but like you're gonna see Gannon with a roster that's not necessarily up to par in NFL standards. Like their roster is not, it's, it's at the bottom of the league. You're gonna, you're not gonna necessarily know what type of head coach he is. Like, are they going to be in a situation against a team as talented as the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl to even have a lead to blow, you know? Like, so we're not going to get the glimpse of high-pressure situations. Is, is JG coach teams going to be able to hold on to leads? I don't think that they're going to have the luxury of that. But if he can coach these guys up enough in year one to compete with a roster that's not maybe up to snuff, I think that that's going to tell you enough, okay, there should be a little hope going into year two and then the expectations rise. Right. And I think that that's, that's important, but like, as far as schematically, like what happened in the Super Bowl, Yeah. I think that's a concern for anybody, but also you have to keep in mind that Patrick Mahomes at the end of the day is an absolute beast. Right. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, the people that were beaten, they beat up on a lot of people. Um, but it still doesn't feel good. It was an 11 point lead that they blew in the second half there. But also, you know, you can take it to the different variables. You know, you had a turnover. You had a, uh, from your offense, you had a big punt return that put the Chiefs on the five-yard line. So it's like 24 points that they gave up. You know, they were also in a tough position. So not to give them a complete hall pass, but you also have to look at the entire body of work. He's two years in Philly. You know, I think that he proved that he's a talented defensive mind. He's just a talented coach. Uh, 70 sacks. That's unreal. Like, it's, I think, insulting to a lot of football players to say that Jonathan Gannon can just roll the football out onto the field and say, hey, go get out to the quarterback, and they have to rack up 70 sacks. Like, sure, he had talent on his roster, but I think he put guys in a good position. It's simplistic, right? He wants to vary things up, but he also wants guys to know their role inside and out. Like, it's a, it's a simple approach, uh, but guys are going to know on any given play where they have to be and what they need to do on that play to be successful and, and cover their command or cover their ground. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, you know, and that's the big thing about it, man. You know, uh, so we'll see if he's the guy to, <laughs> to lead the Cardinals there out of the basement. Um, but, I mean, so far, you know, like you said, I mean, they, they hired him for a reason, um, mm-hmm. you know, so they obviously think that he – can can be, can be the guy there. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, you know. So as far as now moving on that note, man, what do the what do you think Arizona needs to do? Uh, I mean, as far as this season, uh, obviously they're not going to be competing. Um, let's be right. real. <laughs> they won't. Yeah. Sorry, Cardinals fans. I mean, we're just being honest here. It's what we do on Jason Down. Um, but the, you, what what would you like to see out of the team better that you haven't seen the past couple of years? Yeah, so this offseason has been kind of uh, general manager Monty Osford, who took over for Seekheim, who unceremoniously re- resigned at the end of the season. Uh, he had to clean up a mess, right? This roster was just in, in shambles. 
and he had to make some tough decisions, unpopular decisions, letting talented players like Zach Allen go get the bag from Denver. Uh, you know, Byron Murphy, a talented corner, go to Minnesota, not match those offers, let talented players leave the building, um, release DeAndre Hopkins outright, you know, a couple months ago or a month ago, um, and, and make those decisions to kind of clear the path for the 2024 offseason to pretty much pivot, go any direction they want cap-wise, uh, roster-wise. And then, you know, the number one assignment was ac accumulating assets draft capital and he certainly did that i mean they're going to have 11 draft picks potentially in the 2024 draft including six within the top three rounds including the texans first over you know their first round pick and their third round pick plus the cardinals first round pick is going to be you would think top five to say the very least um i think that monty austin sport did a real good job and, and now with that all being said i think that there's some questions that can be answered this season with them not necessarily competing, right? Because we've already established pretty unrealistic, right? Mm -hmm. So I think you need to figure out, okay, who is it, who are going to be the guys that you can move forward with as your core, right? Is BJ Ujolari, your second round pass rusher, somebody that's going to be a playmaker for you? Garrett Williams out of Syracuse, the cornerback, is he going to be somebody when he comes back from an ACL injury that's going to be good? Like, are your players from this year's draft class, are they going to be part of, you know, the studs that you tailored this organization down to that you're going to build upon? Like, is it part of the foundation? And then you've got some holdovers from the previous regime, uh, including Kyler Murray. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, questions as far as Kyler Murray, when's he going to come back? But I think the people who say that he might not play much at all this season, I think that there's a lot of money invested in him. And the Arizona Cardinals, the new front office, new coaching staff, need to know you know, which Kyler is it going to be going forward and him coming off an ACL surgery uh, and he's going to make, he's going to have a $50 million cap hit. Uh, do they, if they're in a position to draft one of the top quarterbacks from next draft, do they want to move off of Kyler? They certainly, if they, what they, they'll base that on what they've seen this season. If Kyler comes back and he's the Kyler of old and he's carrying this team and they're like, okay, let's build around it. And we've got the financial flexibility to do so and the draft capital, or we want to move off of them. They trade them, take the $46 million in dead money and draft the Caleb Williams, Drake May, and then build around those guys. It's uh, they've got the option. So I think as far as this season, you figure out what you have as far as the players on the roster and you figure out, you know, what you have as far as the coaching staff too. Like, are, are they going to be able to match up, match wit, play that game of chess schematically with the rest of the league? even with an undermanned roster uh, and, and see where they want to go from there. So there's a lot, obviously, to, to be decided to figure out this, this, this 2023 season. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Um, so you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the, the quarterback situation there. What, do you, if it was you, like, I mean, if, say, the Cardinals end up with, most likely they will end up with a top five or top three selection this year, do you go mm -hmm. with the quarterback? Um, regardless of, I mean, because – you know, Kyler, man, I, I don't like what, what What would you do? I mean, if a guy like that's yeah. available, do you take him? Caleb Williams, straight May. Yeah, here, here's what I'll say. I, I am a, I'm a Kyler truther. I love watching Kyler Murray play ball. Like, I think he's electric when, when he's when he's healthy. He's a guy that, that can put a team on his back and he can carry him. Um, as far as, you know, the question, like, if they have a top five pick or if they're in, it, like, if they have the number one overall pick, they're having that that conversation, right? You like it would be, it would be. 
misconduct for an organization. I don't care who it is. I don't care who your franchise quarterback is. Like you have that conversation because Caleb Williams is that good of a talent, right? So I think as far as the Cardinals go, and you look at, you know, Caleb Williams, a little bit big, better size than Kyler Murray, 6'1", not, not too much bigger, right? But 6'1", closer to your more traditional quarterback, but same skill set, right? Rocket arm, mobile, um, no ACL surgery to this point. So maybe uh, there, and then you look at that, even if you're eating $46 million in dead money, beyond that, you've got a rookie quarterback contract for four more years that you can build a team around. It's just, I think that there's a couple things. Like, if you hold the number one pick, whether it's the Texan selection or the Cardinal selection, you probably are going to, that's the scenario where you say, okay, we're going to pivot off Kyler. But if you don't have that number one pick, uh, you're, you're even sitting two, you're sitting three. I think that you probably decide to move forward with Kyler unless he comes back and he's a shell of himself and he just doesn't resemble the guy that he was that was the offensive rookie of the year, you know, Heisman Trophy winner before that, uh, two-time Pro Bowler. I, but I, I'm pretty confident he's going to come back and, and have a chip on his shoulder to prove all these haters wrong and also uh, get back on track with his game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kyler is an electric player. Love watching him, especially when he was in, you know, at Oklahoma. Um, you know, and then coming to the league, you know, uh, he 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 was impressive, uh, you know, for the Cardinals mm-hmm. those first couple of years. Unfortunately, the injury happened for him. So, you know, hoping to see him back on the field as soon as possible, just as a football like fan. This this conversation, like Caleb Williams, I think the Arizona Cardinals with the two picks hat, like I saw, I think I saw it was like the Cardinals' own pick is like 18% that they have, they get the number one pick. The Texans pick is like 13%. So it's like close to 30%, like a one in three chance the Arizona Cardinals have the number one pick. Like those odds are pretty good considering, right? So it's like, Normally, it'd be unrealistic to have that conversation, but it's a very, it's a, there's a very good chance it could happen, right? And I think that the organization, with like the decision to move off DeAndre Hopkins pre-June first, just eat his dead cap money this year, is giving them any, they can, like when I said, they can pivot in any direction. They can pivot off Kyler Murray if they need to, or they can go and keep Kyler Murray and you know pay him with fifty million dollars in, in uh, a cap hit. You know, he's going to be like they still are going to have $80 million to spend next offseason. So they're in, a, they're in a good position to do whatever they want. And I think uh, any organization would be crazy not to entertain the idea of Caleb Williams. But I think you have to be sitting 1 1 to really have that conversation. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a good point you make there. So uh, we'll see what happens for the Cardinals. But a lot of people have been, you know, mocking Caleb Williams there to, uh, you know, uh, I mean, even it's like it was uh, even after the day the day after the draft was over, man. They, somebody put up the mock draft. Like, all right, twenty twenty four, Caleb Williams number one. <laughs> the Cardinals, there, you know. So, yeah. Um, but I, I mean, we'll it's see. not like it's not like Caleb or Drake. Like, there's a big fall off. Like, I, you know, you can say what you want. Like, we saw from the kid from North Carolina, Drake May, but like, it's he's not in the same stratosphere as Caleb Williams, you know. And and then you've got Marvin Harrison Jr. So it's like, yes, the Arizona Cardinals are sitting at two. And they can, and there's a quarterback needy team that wants to give a hall of picks. You trade down and you get, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. and you get a hall of picks. Plus, you got, you know, I, they're they're in a good position uh, for a very talent rich draft uh, in 2024. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens there uh, with the Cardinals. But uh, moving on, man. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, you mentioned it a little bit before. Just talk about, uh, you know. 
just want to know, man, like, what, what went wrong there in Arizona? Um, you know, I know he missed, what, six games last year with the suspension. And then, you know, this mm-hmm. – obviously, the team wanted to go a different direction. So, can you tell us a little bit about uh, that and then, you know, um, where you think he'll end up? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting because it's it's tough. It's become more of a polarizing topic, uh, just because you know he was beloved. He was. He, they thought you know, okay, Larry Fitzgerald. He's Larry Fitzgerald's successor. Uh, Going to kind of continue that carry that coach of, of playing that position at a high level here in the desert, and he did right. He came out out of the you know he was Nuke, who we 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 knew and thought he was from Houston, right? And he comes out of the gates, 1,400 yards, target machine, making plays for Kyler Murray all through the 2021 season. And then, like, in the – or 2020 season. And 2021, he hits out of the gates, like, still a beast in the red zone, still making plays, giving away to Christian Kirk and A.J. Green. They're making plays on the other side of the field. And then he has, like, this hamstring injury. And, like, it used to be, like, if DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins doesn't miss games. And then he starts to miss games. And then, like, start, that's when things really started to deteriorate for this organization. Uh, and, and then he comes back in the, from the hamstring, and then he injures his knee at the end of the season. It's like the, the Andre Hopkins, who doesn't get injured, has now gotten injured twice. And then it seems like, okay, he's got those injuries in the rearview mirror. He's rehabbing, and then he's got the PED suspensions popped. He's out for the six games of the next season. And it's like all these things are taking him off the football field. And, and what we thought to be known as truths is DeAndre Hopkins doesn't miss time. Now he's missed half the games over the last two seasons for the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, Steve Kime, the former general manager, rewarded DeAndre Hopkins for the play that he had in Houston, and, and very rightfully so, he at the time was very worth it. Uh, but then that number just became too hard to take. It's a guy who's going to be 31 this upcoming season, and there are red flags as far as his availability. And also, you know, his cap number and then his want, you know, to, to be a part of a rebuilding organization. So uh, D-Hop didn't want to move off of his current number for his contract. And nobody should uh, crush the guy for, for not wanting to do so, especially at his age and nothing guaranteed in this league. So uh, the, the organization made the decision like, okay, if they, if they trade him after June 1st, if they're able to find somebody and it didn't seem like they were able to uh they would have split you know his cap hit and dead money from 2023 and 2024 it would have been 11 million this year and 11 million next but they wanted to clear that uh so they just ate it and they decided to make a business move and move off deandre hopkins there was no legitimate like suitors for for d hop throughout the off season and his market i think i misdiagnosed it i think general manager monty Osport probably thought he was going to get something in return Unfortunately, it just never came. No, a deal never materialized, and it was just unfortunate that in in order to uh, really embrace the rebuild, they had to give up a guy who they thought was going to be an asset that would at least bring back more draft capital and more assets. It just never happened. And you know, it, as far as like amicable, it was as amicable as it could have it could have been, considering it just ended in straight up the horse. But uh, you know, I, I think this whole fan base can still look back at his years fondly and then still feel like man like I can't believe it ended how it did but it, it doesn't sting just because like what's he gonna do for this roster they're they're more than a d-hop away and I think everybody re- recognized that so they just tore the band-aid off 
Simply put. <laughs> Simply put. Uh, where, where, where do I think he's going to go, though? Oh, man. I mean, but I hear he, they, I heard on the McAfee show today that the Titans, like, everything went all well and good, right? They, they have him there. Everybody's loving each other. And I hear he flew south. They flew him out southwest. And it's just like, what are we doing here? Like, this is DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Show a little respect. Get this guy in a signed seat or something. Uh, and then New England's got like a two-day thing. It's like he, he doesn't want to play for a rebuilding team, but he's willing to catch passes from that, those quarterbacks in Tennessee or Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. It's like it's strange. So, you know, I hope he lands with, with a team that's going to probably have a better chance of contending than those teams because I think he still has some left in the tank, and he can be a complement to another big-time receiver. I'd, I'd love to see, you know, a Buffalo or Kansas City uh you know, come in, come into the play here, but who knows? I, I, I really don't. I mean, it seems like those are those two teams, New England and, and Tennessee are the front runners and, and barring anybody coming out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely been hearing a lot with Tennessee and New England there as far as, you know, Popkins. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, but, you know, and yeah, of course, everybody, when, when he first got cut, everybody was thinking about the Chiefs or the Bills, right? You know, like same thing with um, Odell and he ends up going to the Ravens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we go play with Lamar, so um, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, uh, Bo, thank you again for coming on the show today, man, and uh, giving us your inside on, on the Cardinals there and what's going on in the desert and uh, the, the the situation, the, just all the situations going out there in Arizona. So hopefully, um, you know, we'll, we'll get back to earth <laughs> for you guys and, um, you know, we'll see what happens for the Cardinals next year. Uh, but thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, anytime, man. It's it's always fun to talk ball and, and get different perspectives on what you know people are thinking about this team. And it's it's uh it's some, they're getting out of some dark times. There's there's still some dark times ahead, but I think that this uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel for this organization, and they're finally going in the right direction. But thanks for having me on. Anytime you want to talk football, Cardinals, I'd love to come on again. Of course, and Bo, tell uh, our viewers where we can find you on your uh, podcast there. Absolutely. Uh, we're live every day on PHNX Sports on YouTube. You can check us at the live show 7 Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, and check me out on, on, on your socials at Bo Brack, B-R-A-C-K. Yeah, make sure you guys do that. Um, good work he, he puts out there. So please make sure you guys check that out. And you can, of course, same here. Check us out here on Jay's Put Down on YouTube and every other podcast platform. Uh, again, Bo, thanks for your time. And we'll be talking with you soon. Sounds good, my man. All right, man. Take it easy. Let's.